Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. Hey, does anybody know the name James Harrison? Have you ever heard that name before? He wasn't born in the United States. He was born and raised in Australia. So you may not know him. He made CNN because of what he did through 60 years of his life. He was known as the man with the golden arm because every week for 60 years, just about every week for 60 years, he donated blood in Australia. You see, there were thousands of kids up to about 1967. Thousands of babies were dying every single year, and the doctors didn't know why. But his blood has a unique disease-fighting antibodies that have been used to develop an injection called anti-D. And so the only anti-D formula down in Australia is, is made through his blood to this point through all the years of donating. But when a mother takes the anti-D injection, it fights off the cells in the body that would attack the baby. And so it's an incredible thing that he did, and he just retired. He was 81 years old when he retired. In Australia, you can only donate blood up until the time you're 81, then you got to retire. But he just did. But it was a really cool interview watching him. His mothers were holding their babies, and they were so grateful for this man. And they continued to just, you know, sing praises to him. To them, he was a hero because their baby wouldn't have had a chance otherwise. 17% of the women in Australia are at risk. But because of what he did, he saved 2.4 million babies. That's amazing. So through the blood of somebody else, 2.4 million babies were able to be saved. That's what Jesus did through his death on the cross. Although Jesus wasn't a blood donor, when it says he gave his blood, it means he died for us. He died for us. And we're not just saved temporal, we're saved eternally through his blood. For Romans chapter 5 verse 9 says, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. It's through the blood of Christ that you and I can experience salvation today. Now remember, as we go through the gospel, we're going through some steps. You remember what Week one was, Pastor Chris preached on what? God's love. What was that? The thumb, right? So lift up your thumbs and say, God loves me. I don't know about my neighbor, but I know he loves me, right? So God loves me was the first week, and that's good news, isn't it? Very good news that God loves you because you're talking about the God of creation here. You're talking about the one who spoke the worlds into existence and who created humans as the crown of creation who will inevitably face God and be accountable for their lives one day. And anyone outside of salvation in Christ is headed to judgment. And that's what the Bible says, not what Pastor Walt says. 
That's what the Bible says. So week one is God loves you. God loves you. God loves me. Take your thumb. Do that one more time. Now do that to your neighbor. God loves you. Okay, God loves What was week number two, the second finger? You remember? What? I have sinned. That's the bad news, right? God loves me, right? God loves me. That's the good news. The bad news is I have sinned. That's finger number two, and that sin has separated you from God. That's what the whole idea of redemption is. Man has sinned and become an offense against a holy God that's brought a breach in the relationship. In other words, you and God aren't even on talking terms until you're reconciled to him. So that's number two. I have sinned, okay? Now we're on number three. Lift up your hands. If you don't lift up your hands, I got ushers. I gave them orders. Break their hands if they do not lift them up. So you got the thumb. God loves me, number two. And the reason we're doing this, by the way, is so that you can remember So when you're sitting with somebody at Starbucks and you're sharing the gospel with them and you forget what point number two is or something, you just look down at your lap and you look at your second finger and say, yeah, 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 I have sinned. So you tell them, hey, you've sinned. That's the bad news. But here's number three. The third finger on it is that Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Now that's, you always hold up the three together when you're giving the gospel, okay? And that's what we're into today. This is what we call the doctrine of the atonement, people. Atonement is that when Christ died, he paid the debt of our sin. And I like the old saying that says, atonement is at one right? It's spelled the same way, A-T-A-T-O-N-E-1-M-E-T-ment. At one meant with God, at one meant with God. When you think of the atonement, it may sound like this big theological word. And what does that mean? It simply means that Jesus died for me. And because of his death, we could be made one with God. And that's what happens. When we're reconciled to God, do you realize it's like a marriage? In the Old Testament, Israel was called the wife of Jehovah. In the New Testament, we're called the bride of Christ. And that's phenomenal, but it would not happen outside of the death of Jesus Christ. And we're simply, when we deal with the death of Jesus, we can go as deep as you want to go, but I want to keep it to three things that you would remember this morning. Number one, the reason Jesus died. Number two, I'll just give you all the points up front so you don't have to wait for point two and point three, but point one is the reason Jesus died. Point two would be the requirement of Jesus' death. And point three would be the result of Jesus' death. But point one, that's what we're dealing with right now. We're dealing with the reason Jesus died. When we ask the question, why did Jesus die? There is a reason behind it. As you know, and if you've been a student of the Bible for any length of time, walk with Christ for any length of time, you realize there's always a purpose behind what God does. A lot of people will ask me when I'm sharing the love of God with them and you get to the death of Christ, well, why did Jesus die? And there's basically two reasons. One is the justice of God and the love of God. Those two things, okay? The love of God, the justice of God. We're going to deal with the love of God first and foremost. Jesus died because of God's love. Now, you have to understand when we talk about Jesus dying for us, God was under no obligation to save you or me. God was under no obligation. He did not have to do this. 
In fact, when the angels sinned, God did not save them. In fact, it says in 2 Peter 2, 4, for if God did not spare angels when they sinned, but cast them into hell and committed them to chains of gloomy darkness to be kept until the judgment. As you know, Bible history in the Old Testament will teach us that Satan was cast out of heaven. A third of the angels he brought with him and God did not save them. But you and I, he saved us. And the reason for the salvation, the reason why Jesus would even go to the cross is by God's love. It is his love that fuels the motivation towards the cross. This is why he redeemed you and me. And you could say, man, we have a special love upon us from the creator of the universe, and that is very true. Now, God's love for us, the memory verse this week, is going to be Romans 5.8. You see it in your Bible there? God demonstrated his love towards us, right? Or in the ESV, God shows his love to us that while we are sinners, Christ died for us. Now, that is the memory verse. If you're sharing the gospel with somebody and you say, God is love, what was the first memory verse we learned? John 3.16, what's John 3.16 say? (laughs) Okay, what was number two? What was the memory verse? Right, for all have sinned and fallen short. Doesn't that define sin for you? When you say, what is sin? Well, sin is falling short of God's glory. It tells you right there in Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Okay, his perfection. God is all light. There's no darkness in him. Now third, right, we're sin. That's bad news, separated from God. But the good news is Jesus died for us, right? And God demonstrates his love or shows his love. He doesn't give lip service. The Bible says God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Now, for that to make sense to you and for that to be on the pedestal it needs to be on, you have to read verse 7. Read verse 7 with me right now. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person. Okay, watch this. That guy's righteous. I may die for that guy. He is that righteous. Others would say, you know, I wouldn't die for anybody. But there's some for a righteous person. Scarcely will someone die. But read on. It says, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. That guy's a good guy. Maybe I'll die for him. Right? For a good person, maybe. Perhaps. For a righteous person, scarcely. It happens. But look what the Bible says in verse 8. That's where it just should captivate you. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Not while we were righteous. Not while we were good. That's one thing. That while we were still sinners. Now you have to understand the impact of that word there, sinner. Sinner has to do with the context of our relationship with God, not your relationship with other people first and foremost. We are declared sinners because of our relationship with God and we have violated that relationship. It is a transgression of God's law, but it becomes a holy offense to Him. When somebody says, you know, yeah, I violated God's law and everything, that isn't the end of it. 
God's law reflects the person behind it. It is always a personal offense. It isn't just, I broke the law of God. No, that's legalism. If you keep it down to just breaking a law, God gives his law to reflect his character, to reflect who he is, to reflect his holiness. And when we violate and transgress God's law, it is a personal offense against him. It's like if you were busted for something, you know, and chances are in our congregation, somebody may have been busted for importing drugs or something. That's just the nature of our congregation. So when you stand before a judge and the prosecutor brings the evidence and he brings the charges against you to the judge, he doesn't just say, hey, this guy got popped for importing drugs. No, he represents the people of the state of California. It's we the people of the state of California because every law that's given here ultimately is offense against the people of California that the laws are put in to protect society and protect the culture. It's one thing to break a law, but it is another thing when you take it to the next step and say, wait a minute, that is a personal offense. And that's why the prosecutors will always say it is against the people of California. When we look at sin... It isn't just breaking a law. It is a personal offense against the Creator, the Creator, the true and living God, who is all holy and is all pure. And that's why you can't even categorize sin with God. You can't even begin to say, well, this sin's good and this one's bad. Yeah, maybe to somebody you're living next door to, maybe they're dealing drugs, maybe they've got a house of prostitution going on. I'm glad I'm not them. I go to work every day and I bring home a paycheck. I'm raising my family. Shame on them. But wait a minute. What about us with God? When you realize how holy God is, then you realize that a white lie is like murder to him. And so that is where the real issue becomes, that God loves us, but it is offense against his personhood. It is a personal offense. And sin becomes an eternal crime against an eternal being that demands an eternal punishment. We have no right to call the shots in the game. So, Jesus died because of God's justice. Now watch this. Part of God's character isn't just that he's love. God is absolute just. He's absolute righteous. So God cannot sweep sin under the carpet. He cannot turn his head on it. The offense is ever before him. Just like David in Psalm 51, he said, my sin is ever before me. Well, our sin is ever before God. And he has to deal with that. That's where God's justice comes in. God could say, I forgive you. But was the penalty paid? Was it? It's one thing to say, if you're a judge, you're forgiven, and you let that person walk out. Wait a minute, the debt to society has not been paid. Part of wholeness in any relationship is the penalty's got to be paid. When it comes to a fraction against God, there was a penalty, and Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. In other words, the penalty for sin is death, and that has to be dealt with, Okay? That has to be dealt with. So when we talk about death, we're talking about a physical death. That came in because of sin. We will die one day physically. But there's also a spiritual death where we're separated from God. When you and God are not on talking terms, where your, your relationship with God is fractured because the sin in your life has not been dealt with. 
The worst kind of death is eternal death. That's where a person, when he dies, has not been reconciled to God, and they now live away from God for all eternity because of their sin. They chose to reject what God had to offer through his son, Jesus Christ. So the justice of God cannot be compromised. Do you realize that? And so when you look at the Old Testament saints and the sacrificial system, the blood that was shed, right? That's how serious sin is. Sin will cost life. Blood is life. And that's what it was speaking of a Christ. But in the Old Testament, that is sacrificial system set up. And so in this sacrificial system, they would offer goats, they would offer bulls, they would offer lambs, and the blood would be shed. But that did not pay the penalty. The penalty wasn't paid till Christ died on the cross. And that's why when in the book of Hebrews, when we were going through the book of Hebrews, it said, look, that the blood of goats and bulls, yeah, they could not do what the blood of Christ did, and that was to take away the sins, removed them completely, which removed the penalty of death. His death is the reason that you can live today. He died in your place. That's the doctrine of penal substitution. Penal simply means penalty. Substitution is just instead of. So you owe the penalty. The penalty is death because of your sin, but there was a substitute that took place. This substitute sat in the electric chair on your behalf. He died the death that you should have died. Okay? Now, so in the Old Testament, we were in sermon prep, we were talking about this, and Brett, Pastor Brett Miller says, you know, I heard it said that the Old Testament saints lived on credit, and the New Testament saints live on debit. Why is that? Because the debt was never paid in the Old Testament. It was put on hold, it was put on layaway plan, but the blood of goats and bulls could never take away the sin. So the credit, we're stacking up sin here, stacking up sin here, stacking up sin here, stacking up sin, man. So the sins continue to stack and then Christ comes, he dies the death, and he takes away the sin. Now on the New Testament, you and I are living on this side of the cross, and we live on the debit side. That means God's given you a debit card. <laughs> oh boy, I better be careful here. When you came to Christ, some of you came to Christ at the altar right here on a call. When we had a call for Christ, you came to place your faith and trust in Christ. And most people that walk away, all they have in their mind is Jesus died for my sins to that point. That's not true. He had to die for your sins past, present, and future for the blood of Jesus to be secure. So, you do have a debit card, and it's given to you by the First National Bank of Heaven that we call it grace, that every day you live, okay, so Jesus paid for your sins up to this moment. What about tomorrow? What about the following day? What about next year? Were those sins paid for on the cross? They had to be. They had to be. You had to be covered from womb to tomb. <laughs> you had to be covered from womb to tomb in the debt of your sin. So you do have a debit card, but that does not give you a license to go on a spending spree with sin. 
In fact, Paul the Apostle anticipated this. In chapter 5, he's talking about salvation by grace. In chapter 5, he's talking about the love of God is displayed in the death of Jesus Christ. And he speaks of all this stuff. And then at the end of the chapter, in verse 21, he closes with being saved by grace. Watch this. Look at the end of chapter 5, verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, Grace, the debit card, also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So watch this now, please. Paul knew this was coming because there's some people, the mindset that Jesus died for my sin so I can live any way I want. That isn't a born-again heart. That isn't a born-again mentality. When you truly come to Christ and you understand the grace of God, it does not trigger anything in you to want to live in sin and sin and sin saying, I got a free ticket to heaven. What it does trigger in you is a magnificent adoration of our Savior and what he accomplished on the cross on our behalf. That's what it should trigger. But Paul anticipated this. He said, wait a minute, you know, you're going to get a debit card. Yes, some people are going to think, okay, so it's got sufficient funds to cover any debt of my sin. I can go live the way I want. No, that's why he moves into chapter 6, and here's what he says. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? Are we to continue to sin just because we got a debit card? We can just spend wildly now. Now, I know some of... You women dream about that. <laughs> and so do some of you men. If I had a debit card with no limit, oh, it's Saks Fifth Avenue. It's the Ferrari place in downtown La Jolla. It's Harrods in London. It's, man, just give me that card. And then you wake up <laughs> and you find out it isn't there. But Paul says, wait a minute. Just because you've been given the debit card, just because you've been given grace, what shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? He says, by no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? There's the, the real issue. He anticipated this argument was going to come. And some of you still have not gotten it correct about being saved by grace. You still think it's on your own works. Because you cannot reconcile in your own mind that God has given us a debit card, and that debit card is sufficient to cover us from womb to tomb, to cover every sin that we've committed through, not only today, but tomorrow, next week, and the following week. Now, is that to be a license? No, Paul says, by no means. We don't take advantage. We don't trample on the blood of Jesus Christ because of that. So in the death of Jesus Christ, we see God's justice, that it isn't compromised. In fact, it shows his righteousness, not compromising his justice in the death of Christ. Romans chapter 3, verse 25, it says, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood, speaking of Christ. Propitiation, by the way, is just a fancy word that means it satisfies the wrath of God so that God's favor can now be showered on you. The wrath of God had to be dealt with. Propitiation means that through the sacrifice of Jesus, the wrath was dealt with, and now God showers you with favor. And that's why Ephesians 2 says you were once objects 
of God's wrath. But you're not anymore if you've placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And then watch this. So propitiation by his blood to be received by faith, not by works. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over the former sins. This is what I mean. The Old Testament saints, they made the sacrifices. God overlooked them until the point of the cross. Then when the cross came, the debt was paid in full. No more layaway plan. The penalty was dealt with. Everything was dealt with. And that is the doctrine of penal substitution. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the ccciv.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivv.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.